Have you ever got right in the middle of something, some great project that you have started and you're too far in to stop, but you're too far away from the end and you're right there in the middle and you're going, why did I ever do this? Why didn't I just leave things like they were? It wasn't that bad the way it was. Now I am never going to get finished. It's never going to work out. And you don't know what to do. You're too far in to quit and too far away to see the end. You know, the spiritual journey is a lot like that. Sometimes you find yourself frustrated because things are not finished. I tell you all the time that you want your life to be like a stair step. Deal with it, move on. Deal with it, move on. But it's not. It's like a spiral. You keep coming back to the same issue, but at a deeper level. If you feel that way, if you have felt that way, if you're going to feel that way, relax. Everybody has felt that way. Everybody feels that way. Everything in creation feels that way. As Paul reminds us, as we pick up in the middle of chapter eight, stand with me in honor of God's word. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time aren't worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay and the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know now that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit as first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, for the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope, we are saved, but hope that is seen is not hope because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Now, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for, what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes with us with unspoken groanings, and He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, so that they would be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He also predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. We all groan 
tired of waiting, impatient for the moment that you will complete what you have started in all of creation and all of us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Now, again, one of the things about reading the Bible in paragraphs like this is you disconnect it from the part that you just read. Now, remember the last part that we read last week said, if we suffer with him, we will also be glorified with him. And now he picks up on that themes of suffering. I want you to know that the hard times you're going through are not worth to be mentioned when I talk to you about what's going to be waiting for you at the end. Now, What did Paul just tell us? Paul told us that there's going to be hard times between here and there. Sin frustrated creation. Sometimes we underestimate the power of sin or we downplay it, but you need to understand the damage that sin has done in all of creation, in every aspect of creation, it has wrecked the world down to the molecular level. Things go wrong because proteins and atoms don't work the way that God intended them to work. Families struggle because families don't work the way God intended for them to work. All of creation, the very universe itself, groans in frustration on the one hand knowing what should be and what can be, but having to live with what is. Having to live with what is. Now, this suffering is not God's will. It is the frustration of his work through sin. Now, let me tell you how good and strong our God is. When you start following Christ, Christ isn't the only one who notices. You have an enemy. The same enemy that tried to destroy Jesus in the temptation of the wilderness and the betrayal of the cross also is trying to destroy you. He cannot defeat the risen Christ, so he tries to attack those that Jesus loves, the church, his followers. That's going to happen. When it happens, God did not intend it, but he says, since we're here. Remember Joseph in the book of Genesis was sold into slavery by his brothers. An ultimate betrayal. At the end of Joseph's story, Joseph tells his brothers, now that he's the prince of Egypt and going to save his family and the two nations of Egypt and Israel, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. God can take whatever the enemy throws at you and make it useful, purposeful. unforgettable. It's called the Stockdale Paradox. Have you heard about it? Dr. Uh, Admiral James Stockdale was the highest ranking prisoner of war in the Vietnam War. Coming out of the war, he talks about the Stockdale Paradox. And it goes something like this. One, 
that you must never lose faith that you will be able to overcome whatever situation you're put in. Not only will you overcome it, but it will become the defining moment of your life that will make you who you are and you will never ever regret that it happened. You must also brutally confront the situation as it is. This is what's happened. This is not God's will. But God says, since we're here, and it's my will that you become more like my son, let's do a little work. Let's do a little work. Let's take what the enemy brought against you, and I'm going to make it work so that you turn out more like Jesus. Paul writes earlier in the book of Romans, Paul in chapter 5 said, we rejoice in our afflictions. Because the one who rejoices in their afflictions know that affliction brings endurance. Endurance brings proven character and proven character brings hope. You know who that sounds like? That's the meathead in the gym. Okay? That's the guy in the tank top, the bandana, checks in. What's on, what you gonna do today? Pain, baby. It's about pain today. You know, and they're growling over there inside this stuff. You know, this is what's wrong with them. You know, see, this is it. Paul says, I look forward to the time that Jesus allows me to lift more weight because it builds me up, it makes me stronger. He redeems the moment so much so that you will be grateful to God the bad things happened. You've heard it like I have. People tell you, knowing what I know now about God, I would not give back my journey. They've been through cancer. They've been through imprisonment in Vietnam. And they will tell you that is the moment that made me and I would not give it back. That's how good and strong our God is. He can take the worst moment of your life and make it the first sentence of your testimony. How does he do that? Okay, something bad's happened. And it's so bad and it hurts so deep that you're like a little kid that, that opens its mouth before it screams. You ever seen that kid get hurt? You ever seen that? And the kid goes, ah! All right, but first there's this thing. What happens? What happens when that moment happens? Dad walks over, picks the child up, holds the child says what? Daddy's here. Hush now. Daddy's here. We call God Abba. 
When those moments hit, he picks us up and says, Daddy's here. Now, sometimes a good dad will let you go through a hard time so that you will grow. Jeannie was the soft heart of our family. And there were times when she and I would have a discussion and she would say, you need to do something. I said, I can't. Don't let our boys, I can't. Why? If I bail them out, Jeannie, they will never trust themselves. They will never grow up. They will never learn if I let them, unless I let them go through this hard time. They won't grow up to be men. And there are times when you're in the middle of a mess, a hard time, and you scream out to Jesus, why won't you fix this? And he will say, my point is to fix you. To take it away. I I tell you this all the time. When I pray, I pray that Jesus will help me. I want Jesus to grab me, throw me on the other side of the problem. I want to look back and say, that was close. Here's what I found out. When you pray, Lord, help me with this. You know what he does? Takes you right to it. No, this was not when I prayed. Okay, I want to tell you something. If I'm praying, help me with this relationship with this friend. I don't understand him. I can't get it. We're frustrating each other, da-da-da-da-da. If I pray, help me with this guy, he's going to pump his gas next to me. I'm going to see him in the grocery store. I'm going to, and it's going to be like, oh, come on. Oh, no, we're going to go, we go through this. That way you don't ever have to be afraid of it anymore. We're going to deal with this. And he does it because he is your father. How do you know? Because he knows you better than you know yourself. See that beautiful passage, the spirit searches the deep things and prays for you. The spirit searches the deep things just like the spirit searches the deep and unknowable things of God. That same spirit walks in the depths of your own soul and takes to the Father those prayers you dare not pray. Here's Mike's real prayer. Here is what is burdening Mike. Here is where Mike needs healing. Here's what Mike won't tell you. And the Spirit tells that. One of the most intimate and beautiful passages in all the gospel is one time Jesus is talking to Peter and he looks at Peter and says, Satan has desired you. Satan is after you, that he can sift you like wheat. The next sentence. But I have prayed for you. Can you imagine what it is to have Jesus call 
your name in prayer. I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Oh, it's too hard, Mike. I don't know if I can do it. Pay attention. Those he predestined, he chose. Those he called, those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he's going to justify. Those he justified, he will glorify. I tell you this all the time. Let me tell you again. I know there's theologians everywhere writing about predestination, this and that. And the reason they don't get it is because they didn't go to the gym. Any serious theological research is gone. It happens in the gym, not in the library. If they were in the gym, they'd understand what this passage is. What Paul is saying is, listen, and you know this, you're going to play ball, right? There's two captains. There's always the two best athletes who are the captains. They're going to choose teams. There's one who's better than anybody. And you know, whoever is on that guy's team is going to win. Your whole purpose is to be chosen by that guy. If you're chosen by that guy, you're going to win. Here's what Paul's saying. Jesus walks up in front of you and says, my team. I want you on my team. Now, You're over here because you can't play. That's why you're in this group. Okay? Those are the two guys who can play. You're over here because you can't play. Now Jesus has chosen you. Nothing's changed. You still can't play. But now, you're over here standing behind Captain Jesus. Now, you're going to win. Has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with your ability. It is everything about who your captain is. That's what Paul's saying. In the middle of all of this frustration, the father picks you up and holds you and says, you are mine. You are my son. You are my daughter. And you're going to grow into everything I promised you would grow into. Everything I have dreamed you would grow into. I have chosen you. I've called you by your name. And I will finish what I start. And everything that happens between the starting and the finishing, I'm going to make sure works for the glory of the kingdom and your redemption. So what are you going to do with this one? There's a couple of things. One, I want you to relax. Most of us spend our entire weeks trying to validate ourselves, justify ourselves, Prove ourselves. You're loved. And you're loved because you showed up. 
You know, when you're the baby of the family, you're loved and you're special just because you show up. That's you. You're loved and you're special in the family of God just because you showed up. You don't have to justify that. You don't have to earn that. You don't have to validate that. If you don't hear it anywhere else, hear it from us. We love you. And it matters to us what happens to you. I want you to redeem the moment. I want you to understand that no matter what you're going through, you have a savior, a champion who is using that moment to fashion you more and more into his likeness. He's using it for his divine purpose. I want you to remember the promises we have from Jesus that he will finish what he starts. And every promise he has given us, he has kept. And he will keep this one. I will make everything work together for good. Whether it is the worst moment of your life or the best thing ever, either one, I will make sure conform you more and more into my likeness so that you will thank God even for the bad times. Our God is that good. Relax. You're loved because you showed up. Redeem this time. Rethink and understand that everything's going on, God is using to do His work. And remember, He kept all of those other promises. He'll keep this one. Let's pray together. With your eyes closed and thinking about your own life in this moment, I'm not going to do anything to put you on the spot or embarrass you. I don't want to do that. Some of you feel like an orphan. You feel like you're all alone in this big universe, and you're not. You have a father who knows you by your name, who knows you by your depth. And I would not want you to walk out of here thinking that you're an orphan. Our ministers are waiting for you out in the atrium. They're waiting in the parlor. They'll pray for you, they'll explain it to you, they'll answer your questions so that you know you have been adopted into the family of God through the life and death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some of you are in the middle of a hard time and you just want somebody to pray with you. We'd love to have that chance. It would be an honor to pray with you. So find us. Perhaps Christ is calling you to be part of this church fellowship. You come. We'll wait for you as you do. Christ, of course, will wait for you where you are. Lord Jesus, every heart is now before you, every life. 
So we pray the choices we make are exactly what you want.